0: Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources.
1: All right, welcome back to the Brain Mastery Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about the importance of integration, holistic care. We're going to be talking about breath work. We're going to be talking about innovation. We're going to be talking about lived experience. We're going to be talking about service. We're going to be talking about injury. We're going to be talking about taking charge of recovery too, though. And we're also going to be talking a little bit about, Josh and I were just talking about about the frustration around the status quo, about the frustration of not stirring things up, And how that doesn't get things done. So today's episode is going to be a lot of fun. You're going to want to listen up. I have somebody who's really, you know, taken a step towards improving many, many lives through action. So please, please listen up to today's guest. Today's guest is Josh Dunst, and he's the founder of Stasis. He's somebody who has served in the military. He's somebody who is committed to integrated health. He's somebody who's committed to really increasing accessibility in healthcare through providing solutions. And really, most notably, he's really somebody who's committed to collaboration and improving the standard of care by doing so. So, Josh, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you uh, having me on. Excited for this conversation.
1: Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I can already tell. And we have a couple of mutual colleagues, so it's always good to know people who know people. So... You know, I've heard things, it's funny, I've, I've heard about Stasis from a few different people over the past year. And uh, it's great to finally make that connection through uh, my colleague who would mentioned, uh, you know, your organization and then your name and it kind of the light bulb went off. I'm like, oh, same guy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, you know, for people that are listening, you know, maybe sometimes what can lead into innovation is something around, you know, a little bit of frustration. You know, when we think about the world of brain health, which can be kind of, you know, all encompassing and pretty freaking confusing for some of us. When we think about brain health, you hear that term out there, you know, that could be anything around, you know, neurology, psychiatry, psychology, mental health, getting help for mental health, following up from injury. What's something that our listeners might want to better understand that brings a level of frustration to you as somebody who has had some level of exposure to this, and also works in the space?
0: Yeah, you know, I guess my interest in the topic definitely stemmed from my background in the military. Originally, more on the the human performance side, right? And, and, And trying to, you know, be super physically fit and like preparing for missions and just being the best version of myself and the guys that I was surrounded with. That was something that was top of mind for us always, right? You can never accomplish the mission if you can't get to the target in the first place. That's kind of what stemmed my interest and piqued my interest in human performance. And then, you know, when I was transitioning out of the military, I witnessed firsthand like the mental health struggles that go with that transition process that, you know, 250,000 veterans go through every year. And quite frankly, I was frustrated with one, the resources that were available to me to kind of you know combat those issues. And then with the resources that were there, I felt like I was just being pushed pharmaceutical options to kind of solve some mental health issues. Um, and that's when I started looking at you know some of the stuff I was already doing from a performance. Man,
1: career. if we could pause there for one sec, like wow, do we ever relate there? Holy smokes, I haven't shared this with too many people, but because you were so vulnerable, like when I suffered my concussion, I had a big one in my my third year university. And like you, I mean, although I'm probably not as athletic as you, but physically it always made sense to me when I tore an ACL or when I was trying to up my performance, I had a level of control over that. It was like, okay, I know what you need to do in order to improve the 40 time and in order to improve your bench. It was all very clear and I had a plan. And when I had that concussion, same thing, here's your pills, take time, man, like, please keep going. But I just wanted to share that to validate that I'm totally with you.
0: Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, you know, like I honestly wasn't prepared for what I had run into going through that transition process because up to that point in my life, I had felt like I had never really felt large amounts of stress or anxiety or depression before. You know, I operated and made it through one of the hardest training pipelines the military has to offer, um, did a lot of really cool stuff. And, and always felt like I was on in control of it. And then, you know, the one day the the Uncle Sam, you know, waves you on your way, and it's like that's all I had known as my adult, entire adult life. I joined the military right out of high school. So, and I was going through a lot of personal stuff at the same time. I was getting out of the military, so it was just like I felt like a, a lot coming at me at once, and I, I definitely was not prepared to deal with that. And so. That was really kind of you know where I started to lean on all these other practices, breath work, meditation, yoga, sauna, cold tubs, all this stuff that I again I'd been dabbling in for performance enhancement, but then I started really seeing a huge difference in how all those training modalities could help my mental health and mental performance as well. And that was like you know, the beginning stages of me figuring out this could help me. And then how could I kind of spread the word and get this out to, you know, it originally started Stasis, was trying to help other military operators, right? That's where my background and passion lied. And then, you know, we talked a little bit about David earlier, Dr. David Petrino from Mount Sinai. I still remember, you know, so I I came across his website when I was first founding Stasis because we were looking for some medical advisors that could kind of help us really develop what we were trying to do here and i sent him a cold email and like he reached right up back <laughs> out and was like hey this sounds really cool i'd love to talk to you and that was the the beginning of our relationship and then you know through that that was literally months before the pandemic started what we were doing just naturally evolved into this more of a healthcare product and industry just based off of really that that relationship that I had built with David is how we started working with a lot of COVID patients and helping them with respiratory issues. So that's like the origin story. I love
1: of it. No, I absolutely love it. And, and I think that that inquiry, like for people that are listening, you know, if you have something that you're curious about, whatever it might be, we're in an age when you can really start investigating it and, and listen to what Josh just said. He reached out to a leader like that, like you can do that now. But it does start with one step, right? Like a lot of people think about it, but you know, so few people actually take that first step, right?
0: No, <laughs> yeah, for sure, and uh, that's definitely you know something that I've prided myself on and continue to do in in life. Is like I've failed so many times at so many you know goals and projects that I've wanted to do, but I think when you look at you know, quote, unquote, the most successful people in life, depending on how you define that is, is like, no one gets to their goals, if you don't take that first step. And if you aren't willing to deal with discomfort and risk and adversity, and, you know, triumph through those hard times. So I, I love doing that. And I will continue to do that for the rest of my life, because it's ultimately what led me to where I am today. And I'm, I'm fairly happy with that place.
1: Yeah, no, I respect that a ton because that's the road less traveled, right? Like that truly is. And hopefully we're starting together with some of the other innovators to wire a a different pathway that can start to be followed more. Because obviously like if we we can together do that, hopefully that will get more options for more people in need. Because that really is, as people who know my work, it's, it's all about like you, service of people in need of solutions and at least provide them with, more accessible options to help them to take you know control of um, their lives so you know when, when we talk about frustrations I think you hinted at it a, a little bit and thank you for providing so much more context because I just got right into it you know uh, when you talk about frustrations I think one of the things you hinted at a little bit was you know kind of you know pharma really quickly uh, to treat some of these persisting challenges in your life? And would you like to kind of elaborate just a little bit further on some of the other uh, frustrations that you have in the world of brain health right now for our listeners?
0: Yeah, no, that was that was a huge issue for me. And I think that kind of stems a little bit back into like my childhood and some of the things that I saw growing up from um, just the environment that I was surrounded with. So, you know, taking pills was never something I've been into or or wanting to do. And I was frankly mad that how fast those options came up when I was talking to providers from the VA and from the military. To be frank, mm-hmm. and I've seen so many guys, you know, so many of my colleagues go down that route, and uh, a lot of the times it doesn't end up in a good place. And right, you know, luckily for now, and again, this is another controversial subject, but I think there's a lot of good work and research being done on like psychedelic compounds yeah. for brain health and for mental health. And I'm a huge advocate of that space. and it's something that I've been fortunate enough to have the privilege to do since I've gotten out of the military. That's played a huge part, I think, in, in my mental health and kind of like mm. recovery from that. To go back to your question, like my frustration, I guess, is just that when I started to really dive down this path and breath work and meditation specifically, I was shocked with how much research from academia and data was out there. Yet, no one was talking about it at least in my circle and in the human performance circle really at large and i was like you know just shocked i was like reading all these research articles and all this you know really good studies that have been done from decade two decades ago yeah this was the first time i'm hearing about any of these options that are available to me right and to my community and to guys that are out there putting their lives on the line so that was very frustrating to me that, like I was having to spend all this time doing this research when this stuff has been around for decades, and no one has been talking about it, frankly
1: and it's so accessible. I mean, that's the thing like for me, you know, we used to call it when I played football visualization, right? Mm-hmm. and you know I, I I wish I had access to you back when I was in the education sector because i we knew that meditation was extremely good for the brain, and you know also good for the mind and the mental health It's good for both good for the body too and i, m- I remember finding myself you know i'm a relatively big guy so what's 62 and at that time about 260 and i would say to them you know the nfl you know first responders to the military they get trained in some of this you know certain elements of these tactical athletes are highly trained in this in order to be prepared for the mission and you know So many, especially of the young adult, the men, there was this kind of thought around that, that it was soft, that it was like, yeah, you can't do that. Come on, Mr. Watson. What the hell are you doing talking about your breath? And what's that about? And Yeah, I'm good. Don't worry about me. I was
0: one of those guys. I I, I was. I was. It was very taboo. And I thought, you know, it was so esoteric to me at the time. And it's a lot of it. I think that's the problem where we haven't seen the adoption in a lot of these like athletic, human performance, military, Leah, law enforcement communities are, is because when you look at like the meditation and breathwork space, a lot of the practitioners are very esoteric in their delivery. And that doesn't hit home for these communities. And that was a big thing around... Mm like one of the values that we have at Stasis was there's a time and a place for that. After doing a lot like psychedelic compounds, like I understand that there's things going on in life that I can't comprehend and that I don't know how to explain That's that is esoteric in nature. Um, But for the most part, everything we do at Stasis specifically, like I wanted to make sure that Everything I said, all the programs that we were putting out, everything that we were going to tell someone that they needed to do was going to be grounded in evidence and science um, and be backed by research and data. And so far, that approach, I think, has been a major part of our success so far.
1: I love it. I really encourage anybody out there that might be listening, you know, to really listen to what he said, because Josh is right. And, you know, even me, you know, I'm a former defensive lineman and also thought I knew it all. And, but when someone reframed it to me, like, it's like the visualization used to do. I'm like, oh my God. So you're saying the mindfulness, that meditation thing is like when I used to visualize the play, when I used to visualize the three pointer, yeah, same thing. And when I understood the neuroscience behind it, that the motor neurons, Will actually, when you're thinking about it, will activate as so as as if you were actually physically doing it. When I heard that side of the science, I was like, whoa, okay, we need to get more mental reps then. Let's do more of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's it's the same thing, you know, like in the in the military, you do, you know, they say train like you fight, right? And yep. just getting these these reps in, reps in. It's all about repetitions that way when Super Bowl comes, it's muscle memory at that point, right? And because that's when you have to perform when things are chaotic. Um, and that's when you have to rely more on that that muscle memory. But if you can get those reps in when you're not downrange or when you're not in a chaotic environment and stress is not high, um, your body is just so much more prepared to deal with it in those real life scenarios.
1: Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, just curious a question I have for you, and again, thank you for this conversation it's funny how the world works eh? i've been connected to you without knowing it and it's it's pretty cool. A friend of mine who I knew is with Canadian forces uh, you know really specialized in long range and uh, that that kind of work and him and I were talking, and I was talking about optimal experience like you you know I've always been fascinated by that concept and I remember coming across re- some research in undergraduate when I was less intrigued by academia, more interested in lifting heavy weights and football and you know hitting things really hard. And I came across the work of Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi, right? And I came across the flow state research. Yeah. And he was saying, well, that's the same thing I was trained on. <laughs> he says, we called it something different, but it was this optimal experience. And it was all about breath work. Mm-hmm. Everything was about the breath work. And I think that's something that if you and I, through this conversation, can inspire the younger us that might be listening to this to move a little faster than this old dude did and be a little less stubborn than I was about being more open to this. I think it would help a lot of people. So what is you know an encouragement that you could share with the younger generation out there around breath work? Because I feel like it is getting more widely accepted through work but that you're doing a stasis and and maybe through this conversation.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and people have been working on this problem for decades now, again, and I owe a great amount of like where I am and my interest in the space because of like people that I read about, you know? So, you, you know, you talk about um, like Wim Hof and, and really years in the breathwork space that have been doing it for a while now. But when I think about it, I really truly believe that like, manipulating and being able to control and change your respiration pattern can have really impacts everything else that goes on in your body, right? So we know your respiratory pattern is directly involved in how your autonomic nervous system works, whether you're in a more alert state or a more restful, calm state, and your autonomic nervous system is really in control of pretty much every other subsystem of your body and organ right so blood pressure heart rate you know temperature really everything that's going on on a on a second by second basis digestion immune system all this stuff and you have direct control over that nervous system simply by either breathing faster breathing slower breathing through your nose breathing through your mouth you know exhaling slower than you inhale all these little tweaks that everyone has The ability to control it's just the education part hasn't been there. So, you know, up until five, six years ago, I had no idea this was an option or something that I could do. And it can play a major part, you know, like you said, and not only your mental health and, and awareness of just in your environment and your emotional states, but also stress, anxiety, help you sleep better. It can help you warm up before you go work out. It'll help you run faster and longer and stay more aerobic state. You know, it's just like, it's got hands in literally everything that is going on in a day-to-day basis, whether you're a CEO, an athlete, a military operator, a stay-at-home mom, it can help you do whatever your job is a little bit better.
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, it's interesting, Wim Hof, holy smokes, eh? Like everybody is talking about him and his work and you know, tell us a little bit more about about the cold exposure along with the breath work that is relevant and interesting.
0: That was actually the original thing that we set out to do when I founded Stasis is some buddies of mine in the military had gotten really into cold baths. For a number of different reasons for athletic performance and recovery, but also, again, we started diving into the literature and realized it had so many neurological benefits too. release of norepinephrine, BDNF, all all these like neurochemicals that were super good for guys like us that got blown up a lot, right? So what i wanted to do when we founded stasis is we were we were doing it old school right you get a 100 gallon horse trough you fill it up with water and you spend 20 30 bucks on ice literally every day you want to do it and I was, there's got to be a better way so we set out to build like an internet of things connected smart cold tub that basically we were placing into crossfit gyms and it was like you know i don't know if you i'm sure you guys have them in canada like the lime scooters the little electric yeah. scooters that you yeah. use your cell phone to find them and pay for it yeah. all that. think about that except instead of a scooter it's a cold tub that's what Got we, it. we were trying to do and then the pandemic hit right when that was happening so all the gyms shut down so it was kind of like you know we were already doing all the breath work stuff and we could still do that. So that's how the company kind of pivoted. But okay. the, the cold exposure piece was a, a huge part, thanks to Wim Hof is like how I originally heard about it and got into it. And then the cold exposure piece led to my interest in, in the breath because I noticed, I noticed how big of a difference the cold exposure sessions would go when I could really be in charge of my, my breath and, and not allow that you know, initial like big sympathetic response. When you dive into the cold water, I was like, man, I can, I can literally feel a difference in my body and my mind by slowing down my breathing and kind of taking charge of that reaction. And that's, that was what originally led my interest into kind of going down the wormhole of what's going on here with the breathing stuff.
1: That's so cool. That's exciting. And, you know, when you think about, you know, people that are, let's say there's, Someone listening here, this let's say it's a private practice physical therapist, right? Mm-hmm. And they're listening to this, saying, "Okay, you know, here's a guy who's really found something really interesting here that has the potential to help really all of us." <laughs> and you would want them to understand your main take-home message around the work that you're that you're beginning at stasis and are going to continue, you know, for a long time. You know, what's the main message that you'd like for that person to better understand? Keeping in mind that, you know, acknowledgement of this work is still sadly relatively new, but also if we're to reframe it, it's actually quite exciting. It's a wonderful opportunity to help people to better understand what the opportunity in front of them. So what would you want them to better understand around your work?
0: Yeah, I guess if we're, you know strictly going like breathwork style, if we're talking about breath, I think the biggest benefit that people could walk away from or just a really simple like protocol that people could try out is, you know, I've worked with 15,000 plus people over the past 18 months with breathwork. And I think the most common thing I see is um, the majority of people are just breathing too much, right? Which is kind of weird when you Mm. say that a lot of people don't understand um, the consequences of that. But you can, you can actually over the body, right? And take in too much mm. oxygen. You're, you're not mm. allowing carbon dioxide to build up enough in your system. So I think the easiest thing that a lot of people could do is, one, just breathe through your nose all the time. Too many mouth breathers out there right now in the world. Mm-hmm. Huge consequence, health and kind of like dental health repercussions mm-hmm. of breathing through your mouth. So that's the biggest, easiest thing that people can change right away. And then from a mechanic standpoint, typically the other big thing I see is a lot of upper chest breathers, right? Where you're you're dominantly taking in a breath in your upper chest airway and never getting a deep diaphragmatic breath. Most of the alveoles in the lungs are in the, the lower one third part of the lungs. So that's where most of the blood gas exchange process happens. So just getting people to breathe into their stomach more. And then third, it's to slow down, right? So try to not take as many breaths per minute. The optimal number has been shown in numerous studies to be right around six breaths per minute. Um, most people, if they if they time their cells right now, they'll probably be somewhere in the 15s. Um, if they're a healthy person, if you're someone that's obese, overweight, and, you know, have some other comorbidities going on, you're likely going to be somewhere in the 20s, which is actually, from a clinical standpoint, considered hyperventilation. So, you know, a third of America is walking around at any one point um, in this chronic state of hyperventilation, which has immediate impact on your blood pressure, your heart rate, your cardiovascular system. So like making the full circle and kind of going back to where we were talking about earlier, literally how simple it is to breathe and how we think about that as humans, right? Something you're going to do from the day you're born to the day you die, but no one thinks about the impact of how their breathing has on their health. And it's large, right? All those things I just mentioned. So Hopefully that lights you know, a spark under some people where they just start to think a little bit more about these really simple things that you do on average 22,000 times a day um, and how important that can be for your life.
1: I love that. And uh, thank you for sharing that. Like That was so practical and such a good take home for all of us. So you know, if, if you kind of skip past that, that's the beauty of podcasts. and you can just rewind it. and listen to what josh said there because it's very practical great advice i have a question so what's the relationship between you know heart rate and breath let's unpack that a little bit because a lot of people out there in in our space you know right now we're talking a lot about hbr and or hrv i mean and just heart rate in general what's the relationship that uh between those two that you'd like for people to better understand
0: yeah it's basically they're directly proportional So. If your heart rate goes up, your respiration rate's going to go up and then, you know, vice versa. If you slow down your breathing, you can see your heart rate start to drop immediately. It's the basis of a lot of when I look at like my athletic performance and recovery of, of how I think about actual recovery, you know, from workouts or interval training. Most of that is not time based. It's actually heart rate
1: based. That's great. Well said it's just so cool talking with you. Uh, Thank you for doing what you're doing. You know, I've understood from talking with Dave, you're having an impact for a lot of people that are really struggling through this pandemic. And, you know, from up here in Canada, you know, kudos to you. I'm sure you're impacting many Canadians as well. When you think about, you know, doing anything new can be really hard. You know, for those of you that are listening, you know that, you know, and you definitely know that, uh, Josh. What were some of the most influential either pieces of literature, you know, individuals or even books that might have influenced you to have the courage to take this bold step that you took?
0: Yeah, the book that really led me down to believing that I could start my own company was Tim Ferriss's Tool of Titans. I read that when I was on deployment and uh, it was a game changer for me, for sure.
1: I'm with you on, to That's hilarious. You and I are on the same wavelength. I was just reading some Tim Ferriss this morning. Yeah, he's amazing. He's the guy who got me into challenging, you know, conventional wisdom, really looking at different ways of doing things. And uh, Tools of Titans is, you know, an amazing book. So and what a cool guy just looking at deconstructing those top performers. So, yeah, I'm with you. For our listeners here, you know, for people who want to learn more about you and what you're doing, they want to support you, man. They want to learn. They want help. You know, how do they reach out to you? How do they learn more about stasis? And what can stasis do for them?
0: Yeah. So me personally, they can find me you know, on, on social media. I think all my handles are just at Josh Dunst, D-U-N-T-Z. Um, D-U-N-T-Z. I'm most active on LinkedIn right now, honestly, because I've kind of gotten away, gotten off of like Instagram and Facebook as much as possible. But if they have your contact information, I'd be happy. to They can get okay. in touch with me via email. You can check out Stasis at our website, which is just stasis.life. And right now we do, like I said, a ton of work. So we have breathwork programs that people can just follow that are written, like same as like a strength training program or PT therapy program day by day, give you exactly what uh, breathing protocols to accomplish. We do one-on-one coaching sessions. We have some really top-notch coaches, group training sessions as well. and then. Something that might be up a little bit more your audience's alleys is in February of next year we're going to be launching a CEU certified provider course for physical therapists and for providers to train them on the basics of how they can be breath trainers. So that's really exciting, Matt. I love
1: that. We need to talk about that once we hang up here. I wanted to. I have an idea to help further support you with our network. So that's a great idea. I love that you're doing that.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what we have going on. You know, we've developed a little web app that walks users through the breathing cadences and breathing protocols. We have a lot of really exciting stuff in the works right now where, you know, we're trying to do something differently that hasn't been done yet in the breathwork space and that's really around being able to integrate wearable devices and, and biofeedback and biometrics so we can individualize the experience for each person. So a lot of cool stuff in like R&D right now that, you know, more to come on that as it, as it develops.
1: I love it. Well, I mean, I encourage everybody, you know, you're awesome, Josh. I love what you're doing. I'm here. I want to support. I'm. I'm thinking of, I got a lot of ideas already you know, please download, share this episode, you know, share Josh's work with people that you feel like would benefit from hearing this. I, I know of a few that I'm going to share this with. So I'm just happy that we were able to connect. And uh, thanks again. And I'm sure we'll do, we'll, we'll be keeping in close contact over the next uh, weeks and months and years.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me on and then for sharing the platform to spread the word. So I appreciate it. 100%.
1: Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the Brain Mastery podcast. We're super grateful for the community of supporters of this podcast. Again, this podcast was designed with an intention and an objective and that was to share stories of rehabilitation of recovery from brain injury to really interview some of the leaders out there to provide more hope to community members so thank you again for all of the support with that if this episode resonated for you and had value for you we just ask please download and share it please also if you wouldn't mind rate the podcast those rate readings really matter and help us to spread the message. If you're a clinical provider out there, meaning a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, or somebody who just works with people with brain injury and want to learn more about the BEARS platform, we've tried to make it easy as possible for you to do so. Just go to www.abiwellness.com to learn more about how to get involved. Our training is very accessible and we've tried to make it very, very easy for people to get access to this neural rehabilitation platform. Thank you again for your support and we'll see you on the next episode. The statements made regarding the Bears platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the BEARS platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The BEARS platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.